Go ahead and be turning in your Bibles back to 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. I know one week ago we dealt with this passage of Scripture and uh, I told you that we were doing a Bible study and that's several, several weeks ago. In fact, I believe this will be the sixth or seventh lesson maybe that we've looked at. Uh, and whenever I started, I didn't intend for it to be that way. I was studying a particular thought, and I felt like it needed to be divided in two. And then uh, it was divided into thirds, and then we looked a little up more. And the more I look at it, the bigger the subject becomes. But we've been looking at the thought of being surrounded by our enemies. Surrounded by our enemies. In the first lesson, we're going to just kind of recap real quick. The first lesson... We thought about how that the Lord prepares us a table in the presence of our enemies. So even though we are surrounded by enemies, we still have the advantage. We have a table spread by God Himself, and He does that in the presence of our enemies. So that alone causes our enemies to dislike us. You know, they our enemies don't like seeing us with the advantage. They don't like seeing the blessings of God on our life. And so it, it causes them to want to persecute us. Uh, it causes, of course, the devil want, wants to disrupt that ultimately. And so we try to look at the next lesson about how that it's not really people that's our enemies, but rather we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual weakness in this world. And so... Uh, we looked at kind of the thought of Satan's devices, Satan's allies. I use the term his minions. Uh, Satan has a lot working for him. In fact, whenever he rebelled as Lucifer in heaven, uh, he took a third of the angels with him that fell with him as well. So he has plenty of allies, uh, plenty of minions. And so we looked at that. So don't get mad at the people as much as we need to understand there's a antichrist spirit behind our enemies in this life. And so we need to understand that. We tried to look at uh, the next week, we looked at the thought of trying the spirits. That's really the enemy. If we are against spiritual wickedness, then the Bible says we are to try the spirits. See if they have God or not. See if that spirit, that attitude that you have, see if it's of God. Uh, the Bible says you can be angry. A lot of people say, well, if you're angry, you're not being a Christian. Well, Jesus got angry, very angry, and He was very much Christ in uh, Christ Himself. <laughs> and so, Christ in the flesh and the Spirit. And so, He certainly showed that He said, you can be angry, but sin not. So, we are to try the Spirit. When you get angry, try it. Uh, uh, you know, put your life up against the Word of God. Okay, I'm angry, but am I acting like I should act? You know, if you're throwing a, a cussing, raging fit, that's not how God handled anger. So that's not how we are to. You know, he didn't punch somebody in the nose. And so we need to understand that. He did plait a whip. And He did run people out of the temple. So there's a lot you can learn from that. Try the spirits. See, if it's of God, we looked at the next, or the, probably the greatest enemy that we face, be the flesh. Uh, the devil cannot make you sin. He can tempt you, 
but He cannot make you sin. You sin when you give in to your flesh. Uh, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Those are the three ways in which we are tempted. And so that is certainly an enemy that we have to consider. And then last week we looked at doing all to stand, being mighty men. We need mighty men. We don't need any watered-down men. We don't need no girly men. We need men uh, that are willing to stand. And we need ladies that are willing to stand for the truth. Be mighty soldiers. Be mighty men of God. And so uh, to, tonight what I want to look at, we're going back to the same passage, 2 Samuel in chapter 23. And we're looking at being surrounded by our enemies, but I want to look at the fellowship that God has given us. As we're surrounded by our enemies, the Lord did not save us and leave us in this life all by ourselves. It's not good for man to be alone. Uh, he give a husband, he give, he give a, a wife, and yet at the same time, sometimes you know, a man may lose his wife. Wife may lose her husband, and so the Lord didn't stop there. It's still not good to be alone. And so he gives the church. And the church is to look out for its widow women. The church is to go and check on the fatherless. Uh, to make sure that we're not in this alone. So I want to look at the fellowship that God has given us. Even as we're surrounded by the enemies. Now, uh, Paul made a statement about fellowship. He said he wanted to know the Lord. He wanted to know Him in a deeper level. And the fellowship of his sufferings. He wanted to know that. He wanted to understand the fellowship that comes with Jesus Christ even through his sufferings. And we know that the Lord said he had a lot for Paul to suffer. And he certainly did. He suffered in the flesh, didn't he, Brother Bud? He suffered greatly. He was whipped. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was thrown in prison. He was destitute at times. And so he understood what it meant to suffer. I've never been snake bit. Paul was snake bit. <laughs> Bitten. And, and then shook it off in the fire and he kept on going doing the will of God. Uh, he didn't over panic over much about it. And people took note of that. And, and so he, he wanted to understand the fellowship of his suffering. In other words, Jesus came into this world. He was a man uh, acquainted with grief. He bore our sorrows. And so he was a man that was acquainted with grief. And the more that Paul suffered, the more he could relate to Jesus. And that, you know, he had a closer fellowship with him. You say, well, if I've got to suffer, I don't really want to have that kind of fellowship. I want, I want to try to change your mind on that tonight. God did not put us in this world just so that we could have joy and happiness. But He put us here so that we could have fellowship with Him. And sometimes that comes through suffering. You know, sometimes a church goes through the fire together. You know, it's not always a bad thing. It's bad whenever a church splits. It's bad when a church has problems. Uh, but sometimes a church goes through the fire together and that church comes out on the other side with a greater fellowship. A greater fellowship with even one another. You think about our, our military. And we're going to read in just a minute. You think about our, our military and how they, you, you just take maybe a, a Marine. Someone goes and he joins the Marines. He goes to boot camp and they kind of whip him into shape. And then they send him off and going to send him over to where Iraq or Afghanistan. And he shows up and maybe there's a few people that he kind of 
knows to some degree, but he shows up and he's got this camp set up and this is the mess hall over here where you eat and over here's where you get your showers and over here's where you're going to bunk. And you walk into that bunk room and there's 50 other men and you're going to sleep on top bunk or bottom bunk, whichever one, and you go into there and you, you don't really have fellowship with those group with that group at that time. But then you begin to eat together and you begin to sleep at night in the same bunkhouse and you, you learn a few names and so all of a sudden you kind of get a little familiar, but all of a sudden you get sent out on the battlefield together as a unit and, and you come under heavy fire. The enemy's just shooting in. You're in heavy combat. And you're suffering. Man, you're suffering. Your heart's beating out of your chest. And maybe you fired back and you got somebody. And maybe you've watched bullets shooting by. And you see one of your men get shot. I mean, they blew his legs off. And you reach over and you grab him. And you drag him back here to safety. And bullets just whizzing by. And you just barely make it out. You look around and you've got some of those same soldiers you've been bunking with and all, and they've made it out with you. And you pull this guy and he's been, you know, wounded real bad. And maybe a few others been wounded and some died on the battlefield. You know whenever those men go home, they can have a reunion every year for the rest of their life. But Randy, when they come together, they will have a fellowship of suffering that no one else on this earth can comprehend. Just them. And the reason they comprehend it is because they went through it together. And because they suffered together and bonded together, they have something that even time can't do anything with. They will have that for the rest of their life. Same way you take a church, goes through things, surrounded by any Man, we're surrounded. Mars Hill's surrounded. By enemies. When you go to work tomorrow, you're going to have an enemy that's trying to cause you to fall. In fact, you've got one like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you. And so you're dealing with him. I'm dealing with him. We're, we're dealing with this together. We are surrounded by our enemies. But greater is with us than with even the enemy. And so you, you think about... Had it, oh, the Apostle Paul. He and Silas were arrested. They whipped them with a buggy whip, with cat and nine tails. They, they whipped their backs, blood running down their backs. They went through that together. They were cast into the uttermost prison together. There they are, back in the back dark dungeon with a jailer over here asleep. And they're singing praises at midnight together. I'm going to tell you, that, that's a fellowship this world can't understand. Don't you know that even after that, maybe they were released from that jail cell, maybe, maybe even much later in life, they still had that, if they saw each other, hey, you remember that time we was together in, in prison? You remember when we were singing and that earthquake come along? You remember that jailer that got saved? They'd have that for, from now on. There is a fellowship that comes 
with suffering. And so tonight, you think about Mars Hill. God has put Mars Hill together. We are to come to this place and we are to praise and we are to worship together. But we also are to suffer together. And so we are to go to war together. We are facing enemy together. Enemies. More than one. We stand together in the power of His mind together. All of us are many members, but we're one body and we've got one head. And so that's where we are tonight. That fellowship, I want you to see that. 2 Samuel 23, verse 14. And David was in and hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the waters of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men, boy, David surrounded himself with some good men. They were not pushovers. They were not selfish. They weren't just looking out for number one. They weren't just trying to see how they could get ahead in life. They were someone you could depend on. And it says, And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines, drew waters out of the well of Bethlehem, and was by the gate, that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. Now you can read a whole list of mighty works that men did for David. They, the, they thought the world of him. And they put their life on the line for him. And he put his life on the line for them. And, and so, David's mighty men, his brothers in arms, so to speak, they, they saw their leader. And, and I believe, Brother Calvin, when you saw David, David was the great psalmist of Israel. David was an encourager. David was a man that if you were around him, you would want to praise God because he was a man that praised God David was a man that went out on a battlefield and he looked up at a nine-foot giant and said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. I come to you in the power of Almighty God. And, and boy, how inspiring that would be to be back here in your foxhole with your armor shaking and hear everybody probably hear it cranking together and you're in your foxhole and you see a little bitty boy, a little shepherd boy walk out on the field and he's looking and he's talking like that to this giant and then all of a sudden he does what he says. He puts a, a stone in his forehead and, and then that giant falls back and he jumps up and he grabs his glass sword and cuts his head off. And everybody in Israel jumped up out of them foxholes and they went after that enemy. They were encouraged. So that's who David was to these men. But not today. Today, they look over at their leader, the psalmist of Israel, the encourager. He's had a lot of war. He, he, this thing is going on too long. It's got the best of him. And he's longing. Oh, if somebody would just give me some water from the well that's at Bethlehem. I believe in that statement it was a lot more than just drinking water from that well. He was ready to go home. 
He was tired of the war. He was tired of being surrounded by enemies and it just day after day after day it was getting to him. And so he looks up and he says, oh, if somebody just give me some water from that, that well. And them three mighty men, his friends, his brothers in arms, the fellowship that they had, these three men said, you know what? Let's go get him some water. Huh? What do you, what do you mean? Go get him some water. You talking about breaking through that garrison? This stronghold that's got us surrounded? You, you want us to break through there and go to Bethlehem, get him some water in a cup, and you want us to bring it back to him? That's going to be mighty dangerous. Yep. It is. Let's go get it anyway. Hey, if you go, I'll go. I'm going to tell you what, that's who I want to surround myself with. Men and women like that. And I'm talking about, and I know you see the physical side of that, and you see the courageous men, you know, with blood on their face and a sword, and you see that, and it's inspiring. But if you could just see that from a spiritual point of view here tonight, you've got a man that has been surrounded by the enemy, old devil seeking whom he may devour, and he's been gnawing on a man's leg for a while and and, I mean he's trying to get at somebody and to be able to come to church and know Brother Andy, whenever I come to this place I am here with my brothers and sisters in arms and there's a fellowship that is here it's unlike anywhere else. Nobody else knows about this fellowship we're talking about. Nobody else knows about it. They can't because they haven't suffered with us. They, they, they haven't uh, worshipped with us. They, they haven't been encouraged like we have. And, and, and so they can't know to be able to come and just enjoy that fellowship. David's mighty men went the extra mile. That's what they did. What a fellowship. What, what a shot of encouragement. Now can you imagine, on the other hand, you see all of a sudden David looks up. Where did them three men go? I've got to, I need to talk to them about something. Well, they stepped out for a little bit. Where did they step out to? They just said they were going for a walk. And then they come back with a cup of water. Blood all splattered off. Here's that water you asked for. David, you, you just see. I, I almost see if he's like me. He probably teared up. I can't, can't talk. Got a big old lump in your throat. Mm, mm. He takes that water and he pours it out. He said, I'm going to pour this out to God. This water is your blood. You sacrificed yourself just to do that. Imagine how that encouraged him. I got somebody that is there for me. I can depend on them. I can trust them. I know that they are looking out for me. How encouraging that must have been for David to look at those three mighty men and see the sacrifice they were willing to make for him. And at the same time, David would have been willing to make the same sacrifice for those men. There's a fellowship that's there. Uh, you know, it's more than just, well, we're friends. It's more than we're just facing the same enemy. There is a fellowship that's there. See, we are surrounded by enemies of a spiritual nature. We are. And it's 
there, there's more with us than there are with them. I tried to look at that. The first lesson that we dealt with. There's more with us. Chariots of fire. That's what that little servant saw when he looked at Elias and said, Alas, Master, what will we do? We're surrounded. The servant of God said, Lord, help him to see. And his eyes were open and he looked. Chariots of fire were all around. He said, there's more with us than they are with them. I want you to see that tonight, but I want you to see it goes beyond just the chariots of fire. God gave us a fellowship. He gives us a church. He gives a called out group of baptized believers that come together as one body. That's what God has given us. You, you think about the commandments He's given to the church. He said, if a brother be overtaken in a fault, what exactly does that mean? That means Satan has landed an arrow one of our brothers. He said, if that brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted now. Understand, you just as easily could fall as that brother. And so you go and you restore him. That's what he said. He said, look, if a man got his legs blowed off, go pull him out. <laughs> Get him to the hospital. Dress his wounds. Restore him. That's what he said. The Bible says whenever one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one mourns, we all mourn. Look at that fellowship that God has put together. Again, David wasn't just thirsty. He was beat up from the battle. He'd had enough. You know there's never been a, there's never been a human being that's ever lived that has not got to that point or will get to that point sometime in their life. I don't care who you look at throughout all of history. I don't care if you think about grandma or grandpa or whoever it may be. You look at John the Baptist. Jesus Himself said John the Baptist was the greatest man to ever live. And John the Baptist got in a cell surrounded by his enemies. People talking about taking his head off. And he said to one of his friends, he said, go ask Jesus if he's the one we're supposed to be looking for. Or is there somebody else coming? Is he even the Christ? He got discouraged. He got down. He, he had enough of the battle he was in. He was tired of being surrounded by the enemies. It seemed like he couldn't get the upper hand. Jesus sent him some encouragement. Told him, don't get discouraged. The battle's not over yet. It's not time to throw in the towel. The battle's not over. You have to keep on keeping on. Sometimes, I'll, I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, listen to them. Sometimes the battle is long. Sometimes it just seems relentless. Like, my goodness, is it ever going to end? I mean, one attack after another after another. One temptation after another after another. One more thing that makes you want to throw in the towel and say enough's enough. And, and then the Lord shows you glimpses. Remember that fellowship I give you? You got that. What was he, Elijah? 
Lord, it is enough. I love that statement. What doest thou here, Elijah? Why are you hiding in this cave? I'm very jealous of the Lord God of hosts. It is enough. What do you mean it's enough? I want you just to go ahead and take my life. We talk about a man that called fire down from heaven. He said, just take my life, God. I'm ready to go. It's enough. Old Jezebel, she, she was looking for him, and I tell you what, about this time tomorrow, I'm going to kill you like you killed all my false prophets. And he ran and he hid in the cave, and the Lord asked him what he was doing. He said, it's enough. Why is it enough? Because I am the only one left that's doing your work. And the Lord said, no, you're not. I got 7,000 knees that have never bowed their knee. 7,000 men never bowed their knee to me. You just need to get up. And well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you and I want you to go find a man named Elisha. And anoint him. He's going to go with you. There's a fellowship between them two men. Whenever Elisha was took up to heaven, Elijah, rather, Elisha said, Lord, give me a double portion of his spirit. They had a close fellowship with one another. They're close. Thank the good Lord. He gave us such fellowship. Look at Matthew real quick. Matthew uh, chapter 5. Matthew 5 verse 41. I know you know this is here, but I want to call our attention to it here tonight. Matthew chapter 5 verse 41. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. That means two. Somebody says, go a mile with me. I, I need you to walk a mile with me. Lord, this is a commandment from God. Now He said, go with him too. Don't stop at one. Go with him too. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. David didn't directly ask for water, did he? He didn't. He said, oh, that one. Hey, that was a longing. Oh, I wish somebody would give me some water. He didn't directly ask for it. In fact, I believe if he'd have known they were going to go, he wouldn't have ever said a word. David was just overcome by this war he was in. David was in despair and he longed for the day he could rest. Sometimes Christian people, we find ourselves in that shape. I, I, the world looks at us and we key. well, if you're a Christian, you should never suffer. You should always have a smile on your face. Everything should just be hunky-dory. I mean, you should just be looking at life through colored, uh, rose-colored glasses. That's the way it should be. That's not biblical. It's not. Now, I don't believe we're supposed to be bitter and sour all the time either, but it's not biblical that you always going to have a smile on your face. Oh. Sometimes the war gets long. And, and David was just, he was in despair about it. The enemies, I've been wrestling with them for so long. I, it, it's enough. And those men said, you know what, let's go two miles. 
for David. I know he don't really want water, but wouldn't it be awesome if we brought him some? <laughs> I, I, I believe they had some common sense about it. He's not really asking for water, but man, if we go get him some. I mean, if we, if we really go the extra mile, it's going to mean something to him. And it did. It evermore meant something to him. Uh, they, they didn't want to make an excuse. See, in our day, here's what we'll do. I, I know I need to do so and so, but I, I got something else going on. I know that I probably could do more, but, but I just, I got something else going on. These men, these are mighty men. They're not pushovers. They're mighty men. They're honorable men. They're valiant men. And, and so they didn't want to make an excuse. They wanted to make a difference. A lot of times that's the problem with our generation. We don't want to make a difference. We want to make an excuse. They didn't want to make an excuse. They want to make a difference. And they did. This is the brotherhood. This is the privilege that we have as we find ourselves surrounded by enemies. You know there's a reason why we say brother Calvin. Brother Bud. Sister Cindy. Sister Dorothy. There's a reason we do that. It's not, it's not just some cool handle we come up with. God put us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. I believe you can look at it this way. We brothers and sisters in arms because we at battle. We at war. Paul told Timothy, he said, be a good soldier, Jesus Christ. That's what we are. Paul had a fellowship of suffering. He did. And he told Timothy, I'm going to close in just a minute. He told Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he told him there, he said, fight a good fight of faith. Timothy, you need to fight a good fight of faith. You have one brother telling another brother, you need to fight the good fight of faith. An older preacher telling a younger preacher, you need to fight the good fight. Don't give up. Don't wave the white flag. You need to fight the good fight. And then you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17. He said, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. And he talked about a crown laid up for him. Let me tell you something about Paul. He did fight the good fight, and he did get his. He, he will get his crown. It's laid up for him. He will get it. But I'm going to tell you something about him. Paul did not get that crown by himself. It's by the grace of God he got it. And not only that, there are times whenever Paul had to have somebody put him in a basket and let him down a wall. Somebody had to put him in his in their basket and help him down the wall, or they would have killed him. The enemy would have killed him. Physically would have killed him. Would have killed him. There's times when Paul was arrested and the Bible said he had friends, church, that come to him and refreshed him often. Sometimes you just need your church to refresh you because man, you've been beat up. Paul had that. And so whenever he fought a good fight and he kept the faith, he could look back and he said, you know what? I've had a fellowship along the way to help me get here though. He, tell, he talks about it throughout Scripture. Two things I want us to get in closing. Be willing to sacrifice for the brethren. And also be willing to trust your brother, brethren. And when I say that, I'm talking about brothers and sisters. Be willing to trust the church, God's people, to walk that extra mile with you. A lot of times we'll bundle it all up and we'll keep it all to ourselves. Now, you know, you know why we do that? 
Because our enemy that we're surrounded by has convinced us that we come to this place and we leave this place and nobody really cares. That's not true. It's not true. If you got a problem you're dealing with, I want you to know as a pastor, I love you. I love you. That's not just words. I, if you suffered, I don't want you to suffer by yourself. I don't know about it. I might not be able to do anything but pray for you. But I don't know about it. Because we're in this together. And there's times whenever I, I get in this pulpit, y'all know I have to tell you, look, I'm dealing with such and such. Because I need you to be praying for it. I need you to be there and be strong for me. And so on the battlefield, when the airs are flying, that's when you find out who your friends are. You know, Paul made this statement. He said, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. You know what he said about that? He said, I pray God that it won't be laid to their charge. There's a time whenever I, I, I wanted people to stand with me and everybody I knew forsook me. He said, but I pray that God won't hold that against me. I'll tell you what, I believe this. I believe God does hold it against us when we're not willing to stand with one another. Lord said, do all you can to stand. He's talking to the church. Church, do all you can to stand against this enemy. We're surrounded with, stand together. Ask for something.